I love this moment because if I think about an ordinary person partnering with an extraordinary God, I want to tell you, if you don't hear anything else from this podcast today, do whatever Jesus tells you. That's how you take ordinary and turn it into extraordinary. Welcome to the Kingdom Life Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Nilsson, speaker, author, and yes, life coach. We live in a noisy world with a million external influences vying for our attention. This is the space where we can quiet the noise, sort out our thoughts through honest conversation, and discover what it looks like to take aligned, faith-filled action in a world of endless possibilities. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm so glad you are here with me. Today we get to talk about something near and dear to my heart. If you are an ordinary person, you are in the right place because I'm ordinary too. And today I want to talk to you about what it looks like for an ordinary human being like you and me to partner with an extraordinary God. I'm going to dive right in into the gospel of John chapter 2. And I love this story about the wedding at Cana because it actually happens to be Jesus's very first miracle. So he's new on the scene, shall we say. He has called some of his disciples together, but he has not actually done any public signs and wonders or miracles. And so what does it look like for him to, to show up in this way? And what could it mean for you as you begin to listen to him and partner with him for extraordinary outcomes in your own life and for those around you. So I want to I want to read out of the voice translation. You guys know I love my multiple translations and the voice is just super fun to read out of because it it uses different language. It might make your heart and your brain kind of shift and adjust in a certain way from the language that you're always used to. So here we go. Three days later, they all went to celebrate a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. So who's they all? All y'all? Jesus and his disciples. Mary, the mother of Jesus was invited together with Jesus and his disciples. So there you go. That's the group. Verse 3, while they were celebrating, the wine ran out, and Jesus' mother hurried over to her son. So in the ancient world, it was not uncommon to have weddings that could last up to a week. How fun is that? I would love to be partying for an entire week, especially if somebody else is paying for it. But anyway, the wine has run out and don't worry, wine in the ancient world was diluted, generally speaking to about a third to a 10th of its fermented strength. So it's not like everybody's just blitzed and (laughs) drunk the entire week. It really has been diluted. It makes me remember when my kids were little and they would want juice. And so I would just pour like the tiniest little ounce of orange juice and then the rest with water, right? All you moms know what I'm talking about. So I think that's what was happening with the wine. But because because this family was clearly a family friends of Jesus, Mary, and the disciples, Mary, Mary, Jesus's mom, sees the problem. So she hurries over to her son and she says, the host stands on the brink of embarrassment. There are many guests and there is no more wine. 
And in this day and age, in the ancient world, it would have been absolutely shameful and mortifying to run out of wine. And so Mary is seeing the problem. What is the reality? The reality is that there's supposed to be wine the entire week. They have run out. This is what we see the problem is in our natural circumstance. So Jesus says, dear woman, and by the way, in, in this passage, when he uses the word woman, it's not pejorative in the way that we think it would be today in our Western culture. If somebody called me woman, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> you can help your own dang self <laughs> because my name is mom or Megan or something like that. That will be Mrs. Nielsen to you, right? So anyway, when he says dear woman, it's actually quite a term of endearment. But he says, is it our problem they miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests. My time has not arrived. And I love this translation because he says, is it our problem that they miscalculated? How often have you felt this? I know I have. And I'm like, you know what? That person's in a little pickle over there. That person has a problem. But guess what? Is it my is it my fault that they're that they're in a pickle? Is it my fault that they miscalculated when buying wine and inviting guests? I think not. So I don't know why you're bothering me. And he says, My time has not arrived. But she turned to the servants. Don't you love a mama? A mama is just gonna just not necessarily going to go with what her son is saying. And she turns to the servants and she says this, do whatever my son tells you. In that moment, even though Jesus's time has not yet come, and there are many theories as to why he might have said this, you know, one might be a symbolism that he's the bridegroom and the messianic age has not come into its fullness yet because he has not gone to the crucifixion, the cross, you know, and he's also talking about the mission of God's timing. Maybe the father hasn't called him yet, but there's this beautiful moment when Mary trusts the process. So what is the problem? Number one, the problem is there is no more wine left at this party. It is shameful. It is disgraceful. And Mary wants to intervene. She wants to compassionately intervene. And she knows the one who can help. Nobody else can fix this. But she turns to Jesus and she says, son, can you take care of this? And he says, my time hasn't arrived. But what does she do? Instead of pleading with Jesus and saying, what do you mean your time hasn't arrived? I mean, I, I, I think about this as a mom. How often am I pulled in to, to trying to justify and to fight for something, and yet Mary doesn't go after Jesus. She turns to the servants, knowing full well that if Jesus says something, if he decides to intervene at this point, she says to them, do whatever my son tells you. I love this moment because if I think about an ordinary person partnering with an extraordinary God, I want to tell you, if you don't hear anything else from this podcast today, do whatever Jesus tells you. That's how you take ordinary and turn it into extraordinary. So then what happens? Verse six, in that area were six massive stone water pots. They could each 
that could each hold 20 to 30 gallons. They were typically used for Jewish purification rites. Can you imagine 20 to 30 gallons? So if you have a gallon of milk in your refrigerator right now, multiply that by 20 or 30, and that's how big these jars were. Jesus, Jesus's instructions were clear. Jesus says, number one, fill each water pot with water until it's ready to spill over the top. Then fill a cup and deliver it to the head waiter. And I want to stop here for a minute because when you think about this moment in your life, do whatever Jesus tells you. Jesus' instructions here are quite clear. He doesn't, he doesn't perform the miracle and the sign and wonder until three things have happened. He turns to the servants and he says, number one, fill each water pot with water. So what do they have to do? They have to walk in and then fill these pots with water. This is not something that is completely foreign to them. This is not outside their comfort zone. They think, okay, we know what these pots are used for. There's no water in them. Let's fill them with water. No big deal. Then number two, fill a cup. All right. They're probably thinking these these jars are filled with water. Now I get a smaller cup, fill it up. And number three, deliver it to the head waiter. Okay. Wait, now, okay, Jesus, now, now, what exactly am I supposed to do delivering a cup of water to the head waiter? It's so interesting because over the course of the summer, I've talked about what it looks like to respond in active faith and also the many reasons why we don't respond in active faith. And here again in the Gospels, I'm seeing another moment where people, these servants, have this opportunity to respond in active faith. But the first step seems rather easy. The second step, not so bad. Fill up a cup. But the third step, deliver it to the head waiter. That's the moment where the rubber meets the road and they're going to walk out of their comfort zone. They're like, okay, I'm going to deliver to the head waiter a a cup of water. I have no idea what's going to happen. All I know is Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And now I'm going to do whatever he tells me. They did exactly as they were instructed. So we see in this story that the servants did exactly as they were instructed. And they they did number one, number two, and number three. Then it says, after tasting the water that had become wine, the head waiter couldn't figure out where such wine came from, even though the servants knew. And he called over the bridegroom in amazement. I love this visual because they have brought over the water somehow in the process. We don't know exactly when the water turns to wine. This is a mystery. Nobody actually knows, but they hand the head, the head waiter this cup. He drinks wine and then he is amazed. He has no idea what happened, but the servants knew what had happened because they have followed exactly what Jesus asked them to do. Then the head waiter said, this wine is delectable. Why would you save the most exquisite fruit of the vine? Because a host would generally serve the good wine first. And when his inebriated guests don't care or notice, he would serve the inferior wine. So apparently, even though it was diluted over the course of of the week, somebody's going to get drunk or inebriated, right? So even though they don't notice, he says, you have held 
back the best for last. I love this story because what it's showing us is that we can go through life. Here's the problem. We are living in a natural world. We see problems around us all the time. In this story, the problem is they have run out of wine. So you name it, you look around your life. What are the natural circumstances? What are the problems in your life right now? I bet if you could sit down with a pencil and a piece of paper, you could list to kingdom come some of the problems in your life right now. What do you need to do? Take this moment to turn to Jesus and ask him, ask him to speak over your circumstances and then begin to write down what you hear to begin to pay attention to what Jesus is saying to you when, when you're walking, when you're praying, when you're thinking, when you're journaling, as he's speaking to you, as you're tuning to the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life, the next instruction is this, do whatever he tells you. And so often, whatever he tells you is not going to be this radical, insane, like jumping off a cliff. I mean, he would never tell you to jump off a cliff, by the way, unless, of course, you're a stuntman, then he might. But the point is, it's not going to be probably as wild as you think. There's a compassion and there's a grace to this and there's a divine strategy, a kingdom strategy. Ask him for the first right step. Fill the pots with water. Then the second right step, fill up a cup from that water. The third next step, deliver it to the head waiter. Do you see how systematic Jesus is? He will give you the instructions if you sit down and you listen and you begin to, you get on your watchtower, as it says in Habakkuk, you stand there and you wait and you listen. What does this process look for you like, like for you right now as you think about the problems in your life? Don't get overwhelmed because sometimes our human brains, our natural selves can get overwhelmed. If we just looked at the story and we said, all right, Jesus is going to turn water into wine. How on earth would that happen? How on earth would that happen? They would say, that's not even possible. We're not, that's, you guys are silly. We're not going to listen to you. Hardy, har, har. And they're going to go off on their business. But this shows us what a kingdom blueprint looks like. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Do the first right step, the second right step, the next right step, and then you will watch in amazement as the miracle begins to happen. And so often, like when you look back on your life and you think about how God has intervened, how how Jesus has brought his, his healing touch to your life or miracles, I'm guessing for most of you, it's not going, you're not going to be able to say step by step exactly how it happened. You're just going to say, you know what? There was this season and I felt the Lord calling me here and then the Lord calling me there and then the Lord calling me here and I need to say this, move here, reconcile this. That's what kingdom living is. And then in the end, it says, they say, you have held that the best for last. What does an ex- a kingdom exchange look like? We see very clearly in this story, this blueprint of changing water to wine. Why? Out of love and compassion for the hosts of the party. It wasn't to show off or perform some kind of miracle to be some sort of, you know, like emotional, sensational. No, it's because Mary had true love for the people hosting this party, for her friends, and she didn't want them to experience shame. And she knew that Jesus could step in and change the situation. 
is Jesus bringing love into your life right now? How can you look around at problems and say, Jesus, I don't know how to solve this problem. I don't know how to solve this problem in my life or their life, but I know that you know how to solve the problem. Begin to pay attention to what he says. I love John chapter two, verse five, do whatever my son tells you. The story ends like this. It says, Jesus performed this miracle, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. They did not know how this happened, but when the disciples and the servants witnessed this miracle, their faith blossomed. Why do we look to Jesus? Why do we ask him for kingdom strategy for this divine blueprint? For so many reasons. Because his heart is to come in and bring true life and healing and joy into a situation to avoid shame and guilt. His heart is for that for you. And because of these, when you follow his kingdom blueprint, when you are listening to Jesus and you are acting in obedience, you are just doing the next right thing and the next right thing out of love for other people, out of love for God and love for others, what happens? What is the kingdom result of this? There faith blossomed. Your faith will grow. Their faith will grow. The kingdom will advance on this earth because you are listening to Jesus. You are locking eyes with him and you are taking the first step, the second step, the third step. We do not need to overwhelm ourselves. You know what it's like when <laughs> when you have a project to do. I remember being in college or in high school and I would have to ha- write a term paper or in recent years, writing books. I've written a couple of books. And at the, be- at the very beginning, I would think, how in the world is this going to happen? How will there actually be a published book in my hands in, in a certain amount of time? If I sat there and, sa- and thought that I had to have the whole thing figured out before I even started, I never would have started. But the only way to get through these big things, these big impossible tasks is to say, okay, what's the first right step, the second, the third, the fourth, and so on. And Jesus will illuminate your path as you do that. So how does an ordinary person partner with an extraordinary God? By looking to the Father, by listening to Jesus and doing what he says. What does it look like? What could it look like for you to do what he says in your life today. I hope that this blesses you and inspires you. And as you tune off and move on from this podcast, I want to leave you with this question. What is Jesus saying for you to do today? Not out of overwhelm, but what's the first right step he's calling you into? If you want to stay connected, I have a couple of ways that we can do that over the course of the month. Number one is this. If you want to dive deeper into self-awareness and figure out what's going on in your life and pay attention to what you're paying attention to, I have 20 free journal prompts. You all know I love journaling. I love helping people untangle their thoughts through writing it out and asking the Lord to speak over these situations. So if you want the 20 free journal prompts so that you can get clear about what you're thinking about and help you have deeper connections with other people in your life, go to beautifulexchangejournaling.com. That's beautifulexchangejournaling.com. You will get these free journal prompts 
easy breezy and you can be well on your way to paying attention to your life. Number two is this, at the end of October, on October 27th, there will be the Come Alive Summit. It's a one-day virtual event. And if you are ready to dive into seven key areas to unlock ultimate health and kingdom advancement in your life, I want to invite you to this. Go to meganbnilson.com. That's my website, M-E-G-A-N, the letter B, N-I-L-S-E-N.com. Click on the banner at the top. It'll take you straight to the registration link and you can read all about it. I love you guys. And I can't wait to dive into some more goodness as the month of October progresses. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode challenged or inspired you, I would be honored if you would rate it and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts so others can hang out with us too. If you'd like to connect at a deeper level, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore Nilsen or head to my website, meganbnilsen.com and schedule a free curiosity and connection call. Let's keep the conversation going.